Welcome to the Phenomenon Report. I'm Kelly Kleinman. Today's topic is giants in America. There is some very strong evidence based on eyewitness reports and newspaper articles going back to the 1700s that not only document sightings of enormous hair-covered wild men that we now call Sasquatch or Bigfoot, but give testimony to the systematic excavation and destruction of the remains of giant red-headed beings exhumed from Indian burial mounds throughout the continent. The archaeological and anthropological record of North America is largely an incomplete one. And apparently, a lot of substantial paradigm-shifting evidence has been completely destroyed and ignored by anthropologists, or what we might want to call Darwinists, unwilling to consider that a larger, more powerful species of hominid may have at one time been the dominators on the planet. What we do know is what we've dug up in the way of archaeological sites and the bones of dead inhabitants going back 13,500 plus years. What we've been told is that the earliest skulls found on our continent are diverse, exhibiting a range of Asian, Native American, Arctic, and South American characteristics. But what we've also found are human-like skeletons that are very, very long. Massive skulls with double rows of teeth with skeletons between 7 to 10 feet and longer and that the current narrative, as told by the establishment, is far from complete. The story of their lineage starts deep into prehistory, and their influence can be traced into the ancient Mesopotamia area, but may have spread worldwide, as their mention is in the oral and written history of cultures all over the planet. So grab a cup of coffee, turn that pillow over to find a cold spot, open a cold brew and open your mind. It's Giants in America time on the Phenomenon Report. Cougars don't make that noise. Bears don't. Elk or moose or whatever else around. Something else is out there. There's something else out there, okay. And it's not just at night, it's in the daytime, too, because they've been hearing them day, night, evening, mornings. Well, the story starts in Sumerian tablets and weaves its way into the Bible, which many believe is a condensed version of Sumerian tabletry, and is further substantiated in the irrefutable fossil record. We'll get to that shortly. Claims that there were giants on the earth from some unknown origin in the distant past identified as the Anunnaki by Sumerians and biblically known as the Nephilim have never really been disproved. Sumerian tablets suggest that this race created civilization as we know it, Sumeria seemingly came out of the Stone Age around 5,000 years ago with a fully advanced society complete with hospitals, lawyers, divorces, written language, advanced agricultural practices, mathematics, and advanced astronomical knowledge. They considered Earth the seventh planet, which is true if you enter the solar system from outside of it. But how could they know that? Could they have been the offshoot of a giant ancient race that survived the Great Flood, which was likely caused by the melting of ice some 10 to 15,000 years ago? Or are they, as they claim, offspring of a giant race of beings from a place in the heavens they call Nibiru, to be used as slave labor for mining gold as they document in their own written history? Sounds crazy, but who's to question them? My personal theory is that mankind is far older than suggested by the modern paradigm because much of the available evidence is either ignored or, as I mentioned before, was destroyed by the academic orthodoxy of the time. Ancient species that could have survived millions of years are generally very large in stature. Case in point, 
crocodilians, bears, big cats, snakes, turtles, sharks, and many others. Size counts if, in nature, you're an apex predator. My take is that if there were giant humans, they existed deep into prehistory, and most perished due to natural events, or wars, as is suggested in the Bible, and by the Norse, the Greeks, the Hindu, the Jains, and by Native American Indians. To survive the predators of prehistory, giant races of man must have been incredibly robust, incredibly athletic, and highly intelligent. But were they intelligent and robust enough to last into the present day? Are they still here amongst us? Not just in the genetic code, as can be seen by seven-foot human outliers, but miles beyond city limits, in unreachable mountain valleys, dense forests and impregnable jungles, and swamps, where they're rarely seen, albeit by a lone hiker, hunter, or unsuspecting witnesses whose life will undoubtedly be changed at that exact moment. Technology would be beyond their reach as to expose them to resources that would surely expose them. So now we have a race of beings relegated to using their own strength, adaptability, and intelligence to survive without implements, graced by the brute strength nature has afforded them. Stand by for segment one, the story of Gilgamesh. With terrible glowing eyes, his head was sort of reseated, I suppose that's the word. Big teeth, long hair, I suppose it was three or four inches long. And big wide shoulders, there was no neck. I mean, it just looked like its head set right in its shoulders. Gilgamesh, first identified in Sumerian tablets, was a Babylonian ruler in Mesopotamia and he was revered for his massive strength and enormous size. An apparent survivor of the great deluge mentioned in the Bible as a flood, he was said to be 12 to 15 feet tall relative to ancient measuring units known as cubits, which are basically the length of a forearm. Another of the few surviving giants into biblical Mesopotamia was someone known as Og of Bashan, whose bedstead was measured at an equivalent of 13 and a half feet by 6 feet wide. Other giant tribes that survived the flood included the Anakites, the Amites, the Amorites, the Rephates, and they were all giant races of beings in Iron Age Israel. To this day, African tribes such as the Tutsi and the Dinka are pretty huge. Many have seven-footers amongst their ranks, but they average just about six feet in height. Still, we're talking about a race of giants, of beings that would have dwarfed even them. Most of the giant races were supposedly defeated in the Holy Land. But one expert who has seen the remnants of their presence in North America firsthand submits an impressive body of evidence that suggests the Amorites migrated to America way before Columbus or any other European explorer. In fact, virtually every European explorer claims to have contacted giants upon their arrival in the North American continent. Those witnesses include Magellan, Amerigo Vespucci, who America was named after, DeSoto, and Sir Francis Drake. Now, we'll get into the evidence for biblical immigration of the Amorites and other large people to America shortly. Upon arriving in North America 600 or so years ago, you likely have noticed a wide variety of Native Americans, all of whom were much larger than Europeans who averaged about 5 foot 6 inches in height at the time. Native American tribes varied from 5 foot 8 inches in height up to the Cheyenne, who are a whopping 5 foot 10 inches tall, which means individuals well into the upper 6 foot range would have been included in any welcoming party as means of intimidation. To Euros, they'd be considered giants. 
until they were starved on reservations. Native Americans were the largest, healthiest race of beings on Earth. To Euros, they'd be considered giants, but the biblical giants would be considered absolute titans. Later in the 17th and 18th century, the equestrian tribes of the Great Plains would boast the most physically robust specimens on Earth. Their daily activities, fearlessness, and perfect habituation with nature was the envy of everyone who laid eyes on them. They fed on a largely Paleolithic diet consisting of buffalo, venison, grouse, fish, beans, berries, and nuts. How did, how big did Native Americans get? Tecumseh, the Shawnee warrior, was six foot three inches, as was Chief Joseph of the Nez Perce. Chief touched the clouds. A Minneconju Teton Lakota was six foot nine inches and weighed 280 pounds of pure muscle. His chieftain father was six foot eight inches tall. Mangus Coloradus was the chief of the Chiricahua Apache, and he was also Cochise's father-in-law. He stood six foot six inches tall. They were a great race of imposing and statuesque people who even Custer called mighty warriors and towering centurions. Custer wrote, If I were an Indian, I often think that I would greatly prefer to cast my lot among those who adhered to the open plains, rather than submit to the limitations of a reservation there to be recipient of the blessed benefits of civilization, with its thrown in sin without stint or measure. There may have been another race of giants in this hemisphere. The Indians have a few dozen names for them, but we call them Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Their presence in this huge anthropological puzzle can't be ignored whatsoever. The anecdotal evidence for their existence and their actual physical proof is substantial. They are described as chimp-like, gorilla-like, man-like, and wolf-faced. They're described as 7 foot to 10 foot tall, weighing anywhere between 400 to 800 pounds or more. They can climb trees in seconds, run on all fours or bipedally faster than a horse. They can leap over fences with no effort and even cross roads in two steps or less. They speak. They growl. They whistle. They scream. They laugh. They roar. And they can impersonate virtually every animal in the forest, including humans. They're seen in virtually every state of the Union. In the backlands, the back roads, peaks and valleys, lakes and swamps of the least traveled topography in North America. Thousands of footprints and witness testimony by outdoorsmen of every creed attests their existence. But what's most impressive is their ability to avoid detection and hide in the darkness, to be seen only when their territory or hunting grounds are trespassed upon by unwitting humans, or when a hiker, hunter, or someone late at night catches them unaware, crossing a road, digging up roots, or even silently foraging in their campsite in the wee small hours of the night. In ancient America, we have the scenario of three or more large races of hominids coexisting. We know that Native Americans were flourishing on the continent, but to this day, the Amorite migration is the theory of only one man, Fritz Zimmerman, who has literally dug up evidence in Indian burial mounds in the Midwest and has found tools, implements, and numerologically designed structures identical to those found in the Amorite homeland, in the Levant, which is Western Middle East. Other evidence stretches across the continent in the form of massive skulls, some with double rows of teeth, skeletons up to 13 feet in length, and tools identical to those found in the Levant, which is essentially, as I mentioned, Western, the Western Middle East. There is no coincidence, only evidence. 
Over 1,000 accounts of seven foot and taller skeletons have been reported unearthed from ancient burial mounds over a two century period in North America. Newspaper accounts, town and county histories, letters, scientific journals, diaries, photos, and Smithsonian ethnology reports have carefully documented this. These skeletons have been reported from coast to coast with strange anatomic anomalies, again, such as double rows of teeth, jawbones so large as to fit over the face of the finder, and elongated skulls, documented in almost every state. Here are a few examples of large skeletons and skulls found in the record. Here are just a few examples of large skeletons and skulls dug up. At Tioga Point on the Murray Farm, a short distance from Sayre in Bradford County, an amazing discovery was made. Dr. G.P. Donahue, state historian, together with Professor A.B. Skinner of the American Investigating Museum, along with Professor W.K. Moorhead of Phillips Andover Academy, uncovered an Indian mound. They found the bones of 68 men which were believed to have been buried about 1,200 years ago. The average height of these men was 7 feet, while many of them were much taller. On some of the skulls, two inches above the perfectly formed forehead, were protuberances of bone, evidently horns that had been there since birth. First reported in the May 4, 1912 issue of the New York Times is the story of 18 skeletons that were found by the Peterson brothers on Lake Lawn Farm in southwest Wisconsin, which exhibited several strange and freakish features. Their heights ranged between seven and a half feet and 10 feet tall, and their skulls presumably those of men, as much larger than the heads of any race which inhabit America today, tended to have double rows of teeth, six fingers, six toes, and like humans came in different races. The teeth in the front of the jaw are regular molars. There's no incisors. Heads usually found are elongated, believed due to longer than normal lifespans. Still more. On December 20th, 1897, the Times followed up with a report on three large burial mounds that had been discovered in Maple Creek, Wisconsin, one had recently been opened. In it was found the skeleton of a man of gigantic size. The bones measured from head to foot over nine feet and were in fair state of preservation. The skull was as large as a half bushel measure. Some finely tempered rods of copper and other relics were lying near the bones. Keep this in mind because giants have been found in Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio, Kentucky, and New York, and their burial mounds are very similar to the well-known mounds of the Mound Builder people from ancient Europe. The Mound Builder history covers a period of about 5,000 years, and it goes from 3400 BC to the 16th century, and when taken into perspective, lasted longer than Egypt and all civilizations around her. Here's another story of remains found that are unbelievable defy reality in some level, two giant skeletons near Potosi, Wisconsin. The January 13, 1870 edition of the Wisconsin Decatur Republican reported that two giant, well-preserved skeletons of unknown race were discovered near Potosi, Wisconsin by workers digging the foundation of a sawmill near the bank of the Mississippi River. One skeleton measured seven and a half feet, the other eight feet. The skulls each had prominent cheekbones and double rows of teeth. A large collection of arrowheads and strange toys were found buried with the remains. In 1965, a skeleton measuring 8 feet 9 inches in length was reportedly discovered in Holly Creek, Kentucky. Its skull was 30 inches in circumference. 
giant Indian found in Santa Barbara. Here's the examiner's summary. The bones are in good state of preservation, being hard and firm, although brown with age. Two of the three vertebrae or two or three of the vertebrae are missing, perhaps others, but the skull is broken into three parts. The skeleton, as we could put together, still measures seven feet, four inches long. The tibia is 17 inches in length. The skull is in great contrast with that of the Digger Indian of the present day, being much more of an intellectual type. The underjaw is square and massive, being remarkably thick and strong. Either the dead Indian was of great age, or he subsisted on hard food as shown by his molars, which are perfectly worn flat and close to his gums. The find is of the greatest importance to anthropologists the world over, confirming as it does the theory advanced when giant skeletons were unearthed in Santa Barbara that a superior race of Indians, physically and mentally, preceded the digger and other native races in the present day. The next one comes to us from Ivan T. Sanderson, a famous explorer and cryptozoologist of the time. He was contacted by a construction supervisor who wrote that while building an airstrip, his crew bulldozed a group of hills and discovered under several sedimentary layers what appeared to be human remains. The Alaska Mound was, in fact, a graveyard of giant human remains, consisting of crania and long leg bones. The crania measured from 22 to 24 inches from base to crown. Since the adult skull normally measures about 8 inches from back to front, such a large crania would imply an immense size for a normally proportioned human. Furthermore, every skull was said to have been neatly trepanned, a process of cutting a hole in the upper portion of the skull. So we now know that Native Americans were big. We know that the race or races that built the burial mounds were even much larger. In fact, one could cultivate the notion that the older the human species or subspecies that arrived here on the continent were larger than they were, as were all of the pre-diluvial megafauna. What you just heard were a select group of hundreds of these accounts of dug-up giants. There's many, many more. Now here's the circumstantial evidence and the physical evidence that links them to ancient Mesopotamia and transatlantic travel by a race or multiple races of giants. Giants. 